For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into. So let's get to it. Let's go head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Willie Ramirez. Willie, how are you? Doing good, doing good. You wrote, uh, this uh, website's been around for just over a year. You wrote the best story uh, in the website's history, and um, and I knew it would be amazing when we talked about it. Um, you know, you are a dear friend and someone that I um, really spend a lot of time with and really have since I've been going to Las Vegas. And a lot of times you don't know what your friends are going through until um, you talk about it. And thankfully, we're, we're close enough where you um, opened up about what you were going through, um, depression, suicidal thoughts and things of that nature. And anyone who knows you around town knows you as the best dressed man always has a smile on your face and and i say that because a lot of times you don't know what someone's going through because they present themselves in a way that they're happy they're joyful and he was on top of the world um if you could touch on um first of all the story i mean how was the process you had written about this before but um just reading it and the impact it's had so far the amount of people who've uh, commented on it. Um, how tough was this? And again, you've talked about it before, but to sit down in front of a computer, how tough was that process? Uh, it really wasn't that tough because what I found is the first time that I um, acknowledged um, the battle with suicidal thoughts was that the more you normalize it and talk about mental demons and depression, um, the more you sort of adapt the quote, it's okay to not be okay. So, you know, um, in doing a radio show that I used to do, um, you know, it, it was, for me, it was normal conversation. For me, it was normal to recognize and open up about it. And, um, you know, it was actually right before you and I hung out that I acknowledged on Facebook um, before the 2018 Stanley Cup final um, that I have been battling these thoughts and, and that, it, you know, and then, it, it, it started in 2015. It really escalated when, 
you know, I, I was sort of questioning my career, questioning my existence. And, um, you know, you, you, you put X amount of time into, into a field, into a, you know, a work field and, and, and then you're spinning your wheels and you don't get anywhere and you get feedback from different people. You know, you're told that managing editors of different media outlets to said, you know, have said, um, as long as I'm here, Willie Ramirez will never be an employee here, things like that, you know, um, different things get back to you. And so it became disheartening. And, uh, but then I look up and here I am covering the Stanley Cup for the Associated Press alongside esteemed uh, writers like Greg Beecham and Tim Dahlberg, who were nothing but supportive um, and didn't have to be, you know. So I was thankful for that. And it just became the normalcy to talk about it. So when you and I discussed uh, what to what, what I was going to be doing weekly and, and, you know, it's sort of an updated version of my weekly budget. Everything that broke down with Chandler Jones with the Raiders last week, um, I, I, I was like, okay, this is the time that we need to do it. I, I didn't want to do it on a designated month for mental health. I wanted to do it on a month that had nothing to do with mental health because we should always be talking about it. And I'll be real honest with you. Even though I knew everything I was going to say, everything that I wanted to bring up, everything that's in the article, I hadn't started it until Monday night. Yeah. Um and I just started pounding away at the keyboard. And you know how it is. You've probably had stories in your career where you just start pounding away at the keyboard and it just comes flying out. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's almost as if that's the point in time where you say to yourself, man, I wish I was writing a book because I could have kept going. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't difficult to put on paper. And, and, and when you, you know, and I'm not patting myself on the, on the back as a, as a talented writer, but when you have honed your craft and you know how to craft the words that you're trying to say and pour them out, it's like, a, it's like an artist who's trying to write a song, right? Or a rapper trying to write a song or a crew or my uncle trying to write one of the greatest songs yeah. ever made, whatever, you know, his career, you know, it just, it just comes out. So um, it was very easy to do in terms of the process. It, it's more so after getting it down is, you know, working with you the next morning in editing, moving things, the moving parts, getting oh. it in the right order and, and getting it to flow properly. Who have you heard from? I mean, the response on social media has been amazing. Um, and again, I, I think, again, your, 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 your close friends know about this. But for a lot of people or perhaps people who heard you, on the talk shows and have seen you on TV and have read your work who did not know about this. Um, what has the response been like and who have you um, heard from or who have you heard from that was a surprise, I guess? Um, I don't want to put names out there. Okay. No, I, feel terms, I don't want to put names out there basically and, and put people out there to make it seem, but what, but what was surprising or at least, um, I've gotten text messages from very powerful media members in the hockey world that said that it hit home because, and, and that they thanked me for, for sharing my story because they were going through uh, similar situations, whatever it may have been, depression, suicidal thoughts. I didn't ask. I just said, stay strong here if you need anything. But, you know, um, but what I was really surprised at were people that, um, colleagues or friends or just people in general that they're not puppy dog people. If, if, if you know what, I, what yeah. I mean by that is like, you know, they're not, they're not kiss the baby puppy dog people. They don't, they don't show a lot of emotion. They actually come across as if they don't care. Um, 
not not about you, but just in general, you know, oh. just like they, that they don't have they don't have a sentimental bone in their body. And so there were there were people that sort of reached out in that manner or, or, or retweeted the, you know, the, the, the tweet or the X, whatever the heck it is, <laughs> reposted the X um, or, or messaged me on Instagram. And I'll tell you what, Arash, I, I don't do this for attention. I don't do no. this for like, you know, it's, it's always so if at least one person can read it and say, well, if that dude, like you said at the beginning, like, you know, I always try to come across as someone who's in a great mood. I'm always sending text messages out, group text messages. Hey, I'm just thinking about you. Hey, sending you an appreciation text. Hey, thinking about you. Most times what people don't realize is those are healing moments where I'm trying to express kindness to sort of mask whatever it is I'm going through at that time. And it helps. Um, It helps to be kind to others. I always tell people to be kind to others because you don't know what they're going through. But at the same time, it sort of helps heal, you know, um, I've gotten feedback when I do things like that. Like, what do these text messages mean? Um, is he just looking for attention or is he just, you know, what is it? People that are going through depression, obviously they need attention. They don't need pacification. They don't need to be placated, but they need healing. They need therapy, but it's not the the manner in which you think it is in terms of looking for attention. So um, circling back, I, as a surprise as I was, or not surprised at who reached out. I'm also not surprised at who didn't in, in, in that. There are people in my circle that are afraid to, I think, reach out and talk to me about it. I, and I think a lot of times what happens is we get caught up in our thought process in that you want people to understand in your circle. You want people in your circle to understand. But I think that they're fearful of doing so because they know that they might be the cause or part of the cause of your mental trauma. Mm. They may be the one of the one or the biggest or one of many contributors to what you're going through. So the last thing they want to do is talk about it because they, they they're fearful that they want to, you know what they want to hear. So um, it's, it's a, it's a really double-edged sword that, that people have to, you know, you have to walk a fine line when you're battling mental health demons, because um, there's, it's twofold. The people that may be causing the trauma, they don't want to hear that, but you have to figure out how to how to let them know. And you also have to set boundaries to where you don't have to let them know and you could just avoid that. But at the other end, people have to understand that they can't. It's like the, the lead to the article. I don't want you to be depressed anymore. Yeah. Why are you so depressed? I mean, look at what you, you know, you dress nice, you got this, you got that, you get to cover this. Okay. I, I didn't wake up and decide to be, I just didn't just say, well, okay, I'll just flip, turn the switch and flip it. Mm-hmm. it. It just doesn't happen that way. So it, it can be very touchy. You touched on the retreat that you took and we talked about it at that time. And I thought that was so important for you to do that. And I think a lot of people in life, they're going through the grind and they're like, okay, I don't have time for this. And so they power through it or they power through it uh, as best they can. And they think that that's a good thing. Um, which it's not. Um, how did you come to the realization that you needed to do that? And what advice would you give to someone who's saying, like, I don't have time to do that. Like, I got like this, that, and the other. By the way, no one's as busy as you are. But you said that you needed to do this. And I'm so glad you did. Why did you do it? And what advice would you give to someone who perhaps really should think about it? Um, I, I, I. I never thought that I would be doing this, but I mean, in the article, you know, you see me shout out 
certain athletes that I get to cover that, mm-hmm. that are inspiring to me and, and that I stay in contact with and, and they mean something to me, which you and I both know, Rosh, you're not supposed to cross that line. We're yeah. supposed to be professional in business and we're not supposed to let, but damn it, we cover these people and we pry into their personal lives. And mm-hmm. it's important that they know that they touch our personal lives. People like Kelsey Plum and Kirsten Bell of the Aces, people like Logan Thompson of the Golden Knights or Max Crosby. But the one person that I'll probably never get to talk to, well, maybe I guess I will. I think that they play here this year. I think they come here. But um, if I'm not mistaken, right? Did the Jets come here? Yes, they um, did. The uh, Jets came yeah. to Las Vegas, yep. So if Aaron Rodgers travels oh, yeah. here, um, he's the reason that I went on a mental health retreat. Wow. Um, where so many people thought it was weird or he was strange or he was weird for whatever um, because of the um, – the dark retreat that he went on, it stuck in my head. And I said to him, you know, while people were, you know, belittling this dude and just attacking his character because all he wanted to do was better himself. uh, I was like, wow, that sounds like something that a lot of people could use. So I started researching it and, uh, I researched the dark retreat he went on and I researched other mental health retreats and um, I, I couldn't do the dark retreat. The, the, the thing that it really stressed was that you had to get your eyes used to the lightness again. And I, and, and I wasn't in a, I don't, I don't have the money that Aaron Rogers does yeah. to, be able to pull off something like that or pay for something like that. The mental health retreats, <laughs> there were some that were affordable, but to pay for those, um, you'd have to stay with people four in a room, five in a cottage, whatever. And then you're, you're stuck to their 12 hour schedules, seven to seven. You know, it's like going to camp. It was like going away to mental camp, which was cool. And, and that's fine sharing with group and so on and so forth. But I wasn't trying to admit myself into a facility with other people either. I just wanted to be able to get away and do my own thing. I was looking for a combination of what, what Aaron Rodgers did and what these other people were going through. My son and I, he's actually the one that said, Pops, you need to go away with with the dog with Kalua, which is my dog. You're you have to go, you have to keep him with you and and go do what you want to do on your own accord and come back when you're ready. And so I talked to my therapist and that's what we decided. And you know, I'm thankful for some close friends who said just get in the car and come and they have a lake house. And that's what I did. I packed up my car and drove cross country, saw some beautiful country with my dog. Um, <clears throat> hung out there for like 10 days, took some time to come back, took five days to come back. I stopped in, in the city that I lived for two, two, two and a half years. Um, in, in Minneapolis, Eden Prairie, Minnesota, visited my old house, my old high school. Um, I hiked some beautiful country in South Dakota, where actually Aces coach Becky Hammond grew up. I hiked some beautiful country in Colorado. And uh, my, my dog and I love going on hikes and uh, just found clarity. And so I guess if you really want to ask me where it started, who do I think? If it could ever get back to him some way, Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers. The emotions that you felt was that um, the you know people passing judgment on him, um, 
And again, I, I think that, that that's like the problem in the culture is that, you know, people don't know what other people are going through when you were telling your friends and, and people that you work with, you know, people that um, uh, you do business with, um, were you, I don't want to say fear, I, I'm, I'm, how did you feel in telling people that you were going to do this? I didn't tell anybody I was going to do it okay. until, until it happened. I didn't tell, I didn't tell anybody. Um, I had asked a couple people if, 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 if when I originally was thinking about it, if they'd be willing to watch Kahlua or how I could go about doing it, if they would watch my house, um, different things and nobody could take Kahlua. Mm. Nobody could, could watch him. You know, I, I was going to have to board him. Yeah. Um, I guess I understand. Hey, can't if you can't watch, you know, I get it. They're, you know, they're dog owners too, but they're busy or they have their own what agenda. And that's fine. I, they don't owe me anything. There's no obligation. It just, it, it was, I was going to have to board my dog. Yeah. So I never told anybody except my therapist and Jordan, first of all, because I just didn't, those are the, those are the two confidants that I trusted without needing outside opinion or judgment or, well, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that or suggestions. I didn't, I don't, I don't need outside influence. There's too many people that think that they have the answers rather than just can provide the support. Mm. And they, you can't have answers with mental health. So you can only just sit there and listen and understand or try to, but there are people that want to sort of tell you how you should feel or tell you what you mm. should do. So I didn't tell anybody except for Jordan and my therapist. And so I just, I, and the people that I was going to stay with, obviously. Yeah. Um, so there was a timetable of my arrival. And so I just packed my car and um, loaded everything up, luggage, coolers. He, you know, he has a big bucket of food, a bag of snacks for him. I made everything accessible from the SUV, how to get to stuff um, for the, for the three day trip. I, uh, I set up a tripod in my car. I wasn't watching it, but you know, I was, I had the Sopranos playing. I've seen <laughs> it. I've watched it at least two dozen times. So I was streaming it and it was like an audio book. And uh, like I said, I just, uh, I just left town and I started posting once a day. I'd post from someplace else on Instagram. <laughs> and at that point, people realized that I was leaving and nobody knew where I was at until I got to where I was going. And it, it was, it's a small town with about 1600 people. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't go through the process of, of talking to people, telling people or thought about it. And, and mainly, I guess, because of the judgment and the, or I didn't need outside influencer, or at that point, I didn't need anybody's help because nobody was providing it anyway. So exactly. Uh, joining us now, Willie Ramirez, uh, the uh, top story, the best story is, Never been written at the Sporting Tribune, battling for his life and his mind. Um, he opens up about mental health and battling depression and suicidal thoughts. And, and uh, I, I wanted to close with this because this is one of the reasons that you touched on this this week. When you see what Chandler Jones is going through, um, how does that shape how you cover this? Because I think a lot of people just... Oh, he's crazy. What's happening? You know, they, there, there's no sympathy or um, empathy for the person going through whatever he's going through. Um, how do you view that story and how do you cover it? Actually, 
Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, and here's the thing, people, fans are just going to see it like he's, like you said, they're going to use the word crazy, which is unfair. And um, I remember when he came in, first came in the room, I remember he's from upstate New York. I remember bringing up Speedy's from Binghamton and he started laughing and he was like, how do you know about Speedy's? And the whole room started laughing and it became an ongoing joke. And I'll never forget one time walking up to him at his locker and saying, hey, Chandler, can I get a talk? And he said, I only talk on Fridays. And he turned around and saw it was me. He goes, you know what? Mm. You are always polite. You always got that big cross on. You always represent and dress nice. I'm going to go ahead and give you some time. I just felt like that was respectful and there was a mutual respect. So I felt bad for the dude. I feel bad for him now. I I, I think that he took the social media a little, uh, you know, abrasively, but there had to be a, be a reason. And so I think you have to cover it very tactfully. And I think everybody that covers the Raiders did it very tactfully. I will say that because yeah. they, it, it, the first, it was putting out there the screenshots and the recordings, but then they slowed their role because they realized something was wrong. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how, how happy I am and how proud of you I am and proud to call you a friend. And really the reason Las Vegas became my home is because of you. So um, <laughs> thank you so much for allowing us to tell your story and trusting me to read it. And I uh, can't wait to give you a big hug this weekend. Game one of the WME finals is on Sunday. We'll talk about that more next week. But Willie, I love you, my friend. And thank you so much for everything. I appreciate you. All right, love you too. All right, that's all. Uh, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, more Sporting Tribune today, the Rashmore Cosby Show, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s from the California, the Baton Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. And joining us now for the Sporting Tribune, Michael Matthew. Michael, how are you? Man, doing pretty good. You know, enjoying uh, this sunny California day. So beautiful out here today. So I'm loving it. Love it. My friend, you were at the Clippers Media Day before they uh, left for Hawaii. We actually have that covered with our friends in Hawaii from the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. They are the home for the Clippers this season. So we got Paul Becht uh, and Kule Agbayani are out there with the Clippers as they head out uh, for the beginning of training camp and their for their first uh, preseason game against the Utah Jazz. But Michael set the scene. Uh, Clippers Media Day, Kawhi, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Ty Lue, whole crew was there. 
what was the highlight or what were some of the highlights? Man, just, you can just, like the energy. You saw Ka Kawhi Leonard smiling and having fun and, you know, just enjoying uh, being around. And that's what they were all talking about. Just like they really like this group uh, that they have there together. And, you know, they really believe in themselves. And, you know, they they believe that, you know, that they have a chance to, to win. Like a lot of people aren't talking about them too much because of the Nuggets and then, you know, the Lakers as well and the Suns with the moves they made. But this team is a team that really believes that they have a chance to win. And, of course, they had to talk about the new policy, <laughs> you know, when it comes to these guys playing. So, you know, it was kind of the them talking, Paul George and Kawhi talking about the policy, and then, you know, the rest of the team just talking about enjoying one another and, you know, ready to get things going. Uh, G.A. and I had talked about this before, and I, I knew that they would be asked about it, but I thought Kawhi had a great response, basically saying, hey, like, like if I'm hurt, I'm hurt, but when I'm, when I'm healthy, I'm guarding the best guy, and he's guarding me. Like, if he's not done for the season because either, like, a torn ACL or, like, a, like, like some, unless he's um, hurt, he's playing. So I, I think in the uh, G.A. chime in here, I, I think the Clippers get a bad rap. There is some level of load management, but load management wasn't the reason Kawhi and Paul George were not playing in the postseason, not only this year, but a year ago. Yeah, no, I mean, you have to realize, I mean, I don't think that Kawhi wants to be out for the, for the last two seasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, like, I just, I don't think anybody that has competed and won a title wants to be out. That being said, I mean, it's just, it's going to be rough that this is like kind of the path, you know, that they, that they choose in order to, to maintain their health or whatever. Um, not, not in its entirety, but like it just to the public, it seems like that. Um, me being a fan, I know that that's not, that's not his MO. Right. But I think like anybody that's not a Clipper fan, maybe just sees it that way. Do you, um, I, I actually, Mikhail wanted to know what um, everybody else's response to the um, load uh, load management rule uh, was and, while you were out there for media day. Yeah, well, what was kind of crazy was when Ty Lue talked about it, and Ty Lue was pretty much saying, like, when my guys are healthy, they're going to be ready to go and they're going to play well. What he's looking for more from them, which he, he stated to the media there, is that when it comes to practice, he wants those guys on the floor. So pretty much what I took from it was like, these guys don't practice, you know, for the most part uh, with the team. So he's like, you know, that's why he's excited um, that Russell was there because Russell was a guy that Paul George was showing a lot of love to saying that, hey, Russell goes hard game time. Russell goes hard in practice. And he was saying that that leadership that he's going to bring is going to kind of maybe give those guys that boost that they need to get up to practice because, you know, PG and Kawhi aren't too vocal of guys. And that's why Russell was there because he's not going to be afraid to, you know, tell these guys like, Hey, you need to get up. Let's get after it. We have a goal of winning a championship. So that's why I think they're, they're happy that Russell was back. And, you know, Kawhi was talking about it, PG and Ty Lue, because they know it's a guy that's going to go 120 miles per hour at all times. And they're hoping that he can get the guys going throughout this entire season. Michael, talk about the development of Russell Westbrook as a leader. I mean, I've been really uh, pleasantly surprised by that because obviously he's been that way throughout his career. When he went to the when he went to the Lakers, obviously a little bit different. Uh, but I was really impressed. You know, he had this um, 
you know, the, he, he gathered all of his teammates in Las Vegas. They practiced together. They dined together. He gifted them uh, phones, uh, really taking on the uh, kind of the role of captain. Yes, there's Kawhi, there's Paul George, but uh, talk about his development now. No, it's just, man, Russ realized, you know, year 16, um, and, you know, he realized that this journey is not, he doesn't have 10 more years. So he knows if he wants to, and I was able to ask him that question, actually, was that, you know, adding a championship to your legacy, what would that do? And he's like, hey, it's it's about that time, you know, to do so. So he's going to try to make sure that the guys as a collective are all, you know, in one place. And some of it you could kind of tell he had some feelings about the Lakers and the they're <laughs> playing you know, LeBron and AD and those guys. So he's kind of happy because now he's the biggest voice on this team. You know, he may not be the best player, but he's the biggest voice. And all of the guys have so many nice things to say getting up on there on the podium about him and what he was able to bring them last year. That's why they're so excited that they get a full year of it. And Russ has always been a great teammate. Um, yeah. You probably don't know this, Arash, but um, me and Russ were high school teammates. Like we went to- I did uh, not know that. Yeah, losing a high school together. And he was always a, a team guy. So this bad rap that he has gotten and received is like, you know, unfair. You hear Austin Reeves and so many guys talk about how great of a person and teammate he is. He's just about going 120 miles per hour. And if you're not with that, you know, sometimes he can rub you the wrong way. But the guys love him. They're happy he's back. And they're hoping, you know, he can be that leader, that that true point guard to help lead them to a championship. Michael, I did not know that. I mean, what what has that been like to see his growth and development? Because, again, uh, was not highly recruited from what I remember. I could be wrong, but, you know, was not the highest recruited guy. Went to UCLA, obviously played well, but kind of almost like held back because of the system that they had. And then with the Thunder just flourished, I mean, um, how has he or, or, or what has it been like to see his growth from high school to now? Man, just seeing his development, first of all, when I met him, he was like a 5'9 point guard, you know. <laughs> so he was able to have the growth spurt and just he always been a guy that was attacking. When, you know, people were having fun and partying at UCLA, he was, you know, with a trainer working out, you know, trying to get on a Vertimax to become more athletic. And now he's probably the most athletic point guard we've ever seen in the NBA. So he just developed and he takes everything personal a guy that has really grown his game and just he's been the same. He's been go, go, go. I seen him score 50 points in a high school game. Um, and, you know, coming out of high school, he's only a three star guy. So he just always carries that chip. You remember the situation with Ben Howland was saying he didn't yeah. think he was ready for the NBA. He went top five. So Russell just always has that chip. And he just realized I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. I've won an MVP. Um, I missed a triple-double. Now, if I can add a championship with the Clippers, no one can say anything about my legacy, and that's what he's focused on. You know, the joke for the longest time was the only person who could stop Russell Westbrook was Ben Howland uh, because <laughs> of that whole uh, system. Now, uh, I'm just going to play off this because uh, I did not know this 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 fun fact about you, but um, I was so happy when he came back to Los Angeles. I actually... Whether I was in the minority or whatever, I love the trade because I said, you know, if you can trade for a superstar, you always have to do that. No disrespect to KCP and Kuzma and whatnot, but, you know, if you could get a generational talent, you have to make that move. And I thought it was going to be so great for him to come back 
What do you think happened? Because I, I think it was not just a system fit, but th- there was a cultural fit, whether it was that he was no longer the top guy. What do you think happened when he got here to Los Angeles with the Lakers, not the Clippers? Man, with the Lakers, I just think that, like you said, it was a system fit. Um, the expectation for him coming in was that he was going to be able to be himself. Like they, well, they were saying it throughout the media, we're going to let Russ to be Russ. The next thing you know, he spotted up in the corner uh, while LeBron, you know, is trying to make things happen up top. So I just think that the fit just wasn't there because if you look at it, you know, I don't want to, I don't want the LeBron fans to come out. <laughs> if you look at uh, Russell, Russell is like a six, three LeBron James. Yeah. He's a guy that needs the ball a lot, likes to play on on top of the key like to play downhill and things like that so when you just relegate a guy like that to the corner to shoot three-point shots which he has never been great at throughout his career you're going to take away from his game and I think with the Clippers there's no ball handlers there you know with the Lakers you had LeBron Austin Reeves started to develop with the Clippers it's like you trying to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard off the ball so it's going to be you know it's, it's a great situation for him because Russ can be Russ switching gears uh the Lakers uh they begin their training camp as well first first preseason game is Saturday against the Warriors um I think the thought there is like if they're healthy they're, they're going to be in contention for the Western Conference. It'll be them, Denver, uh, Phoenix, Clippers, perhaps the Warriors as well. We'll see about that. Uh, your thoughts on the Lakers? Man, the Lakers, um, I, I think they have one of the most stacked teams that LeBron has ever played with. Like from top to bottom, when you look at the roster, you have uh, AD who can be a top five guy on any given night. You have Austin back. You have Rui. Uh, D'Lo is back, you know, with a chip on his shoulder. They added uh, Torian Prince. Like, they have so much talent on this roster that, it's, you know, if they can stay healthy, it's going to be on AD. It's going to be on LeBron because, you know, the star players have to be great in the biggest moments. But they just have so much depth. Darwin Ham, it's his second year, you know, being a head coach. So I- I'm really excited about this Lakers team. Um, you know, of course, Denver deserves to be the favorite. Uh, Phoenix, we haven't really seen yet. Um, Chris Paul may be in a starting lineup with the Warriors with Clay at the four. I don't know how that's going to look. Um, so I, I really like the Lakers' chances. It's just LeBron is is an old guy, you know, when it comes <laughs> to the NBA. So we have to see, you know, the last few years, him and AD has dealt with injuries, haven't been able to hold up. So if they can hold up and stay healthy, man, watch out for the Lakers. Michael, let's switch gears to the uh, UCLA Bruins. I really think their season may uh, be defined by these uh, next two games. On Saturday, they are going to be playing Washington State, uh, top 15 team. And the following week, the Oregon State Beavers, another top 15 team. These are the two teams, but by the way, of course, as a lot of people know, that have been left out of the Pac-12. So these are like sort of like the last two teams that are in the conference, and so we'll see where they land. But for, the, for their last season in the Pac-12 they have been uh, two of the top 15 teams in the country. How do you see these next two weeks playing out? Man, I, I really like the defense. I think the defense is going to always keep them competitive in these uh, next coming games. It's just going to come down to that offense. You know, Dante Moore and even the offensive line, they really struggled the last game against Utah. So this is going to be a big bounce back game for them. So we're going to see how Dante is able 
to, you know, come back uh, from, you know, struggling in a game where they only scored seven points. So I think this Washington State game is going to be huge for his confidence and then, you know, for Chip as well because if you lose three straight games, people are going to be not only calling but screaming for Chip Kelly's job there with the Bruins. So offensively, they're going to have to figure it out because he's supposed to be this offensive guru, you know, with his years at Oregon that, you know, the expectation is that you're going to be able to put this together, especially with a talented uh, stud young quarterback like uh, Dante Moore. So I think that UCLA is going to have a real chance this week, but it's going to all be on the, on the, uh, the offense to step up and make plays. Mikhail, this isn't my original question, but this is kind of just uh, out of curiosity. How long do you think that uh, Coach Chip Kelly does have? Because they did just extend his contract. So how how long do you think he does have until maybe those um, uh, he, the possibility of being on the chopping block? I think um, what helped him out is, you know, being able to recruit and bring in more that, you know, they're going to want to see if he can be developed and if he can have a relationship like Lincoln Riley has with Caleb uh, from Oklahoma to USC. So I think that kind of gives him a little time. So I think, you know, it matters how this year finishes out. He's going to for sure go into the Big Ten because, you know, he's still Chip Kelly, still has a name and things like that. But I think next year with more, if you don't see the type of development that you want, I think you're going to hear a lot of UCLA fans calling for his job. Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I love me some chip, but it's uh, it's it's kind of getting to that point, right? So yeah. To that point of, man, re- your day of reckoning might be coming sooner than later. Um, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned stars, you know, when you were talking about the Lakers. I mean, I want to switch over to the Rams because they got a star in Puka Nakua. He's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, I saw this from, you know, preseason from camp. This kid is a stud. Um, he just came out and talked about how Cooper Cup was a huge influence with him during camp and all that good stuff and making him his confidence get built up and uh, more and more. I don't see the Rams tanking this year. I think like everybody wanted them to for Caleb Williams. Um, where do you see them um, come week five and um, again week in week six? Because the, those both those games are at quote-unquote home, but you know that people are going to show out um, where do you see them? How do you see them competing against the Eagles and um, and even the Cardinals as well? Man, uh, Ross can tell you. I came into the season saying tank, 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 Caleb Williams. But, man, Matthew Stafford is just showing everybody, like, hey, I'm one of those guys. Don't forget, you know, mm-hmm. I'm one of those quarterbacks who's always – found a way to to win, even when I was with the Detroit Lions. So now, you know, with Aaron Donald on the other side, with Puka, with uh, Kyron Williams, who just had the best game of his young career, like the Rams, I think, really believe, like in that division that they're in, you have the Cardinals, you know the Niners are great, but, the you know, it took the Niners down to the end of the game. They only lost mm-hmm. by seven points. So I think that the Rams believe that they can actually fight for a playoff spot because I should have known all along. McVay was not about to let his guys tank. That dude is a winner. He wants to prove everybody wrong, and that's what they're doing so far. But it's just the surprises of the young guys, Byron Young coming in and playing some good football. Like I said, Williams and Puka being the stud that it he is, is just scary because if Cooper Cup can be anywhere close to what we know Cooper Cup can be, now that offense can take another step forward, and they're going to be a very dangerous team 
um, you know, towards the uh, end of the season. And they're a team that I'm actually looking at like, man, they have a chance to try to get a wild card slot. So I, I'm really happy with what I'm seeing with the Rams. By the way, there is an outside chance that the Cooper Cup could be on the field on Sunday against Philadelphia. I never thought that would happen so quickly. But, I mean, you talk about the four wide receiver set of uh, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, Cooper Cup, and Van Jefferson. I'm like, you know, that that team can do damage. And like you said, like, you know, like, if Stafford's going to play like Stafford and he's healthy and the offensive line, kudos to them. Uh, you yeah. know, we really kind of just had a bad half there against Cincinnati, but for the most part has really um, kept Stafford healthy. They could, they could go on a run here. And this team reminds me of McVay's first season here in Los Angeles, where uh, again, they, they were a wild card team. They were a playoff team. They, they, they didn't go on a crazy run, but man, like it, it, it came out of nowhere. So, um, last question for you, Michael. The other, uh, football team in Los Angeles, uh, the, the uh, Chargers, listen, at least they go into the break at two and two. At least they found a way to beat the Raiders. Uh, however, um, the trade of JC Jackson is very interesting and we'll see what actually happened there when the team talks about it. I, my, my guess is that they're probably not going to say too much, but, um, your thoughts on the chargers. And also, I mean, listen, if you're not going to play the guy, you might as well ship him out because JC Jackson dressed last week, didn't play, did not even dress, did not even dress the previous week. Your thoughts on the chargers. Man, it's just, you know, that that's just a very weird situation because he was such a talented guy with the Patriots, but we talked about it earlier, you know, with with Russell uh playing, you know, in the NBA is that system and fits and all of that stuff matters. So, you know, it's going to be interesting because when they come back from the bye, they got Dallas, they're at Kansas City, they lose those two games, the confidence is going to be low, it's going to be tougher for them, but I think that the Chargers, they have weapons, they have talent, they just have to stay healthy and find a way to win, but I, I believe the Chargers can still be a team that fights for a wild card spot uh, going forward. I totally agree, you know, because I think people forget, yes, they, they lost the way that they lost to the uh, Jaguars, but that team was a 500 team. I mean, that, that, that team was kind of where they are now, and they finished off the season strong. So I think they'll, they'll, they'll do that again. It gets harder. I mean, I really thought they could be 4-0 at the break, only because things get a little bit harder for them. Again, like you mentioned, they have the Cowboys. That'll be, unfortunately for them, kind of one of those, uh, technically a home game, but it'll be a ton of Cowboy fans in the stands. They play the Chiefs. So, um, you know, things get harder for them. However, they have proven uh, consistently that they do finish off the season strong. So, I mean, it'd be amazing. I didn't think this would happen at the beginning of the season, but we could have potentially two play two playoff teams in Los Angeles, and the Rams, that run or what they're doing right now kind of came out of left field because I did remember the first column you did tank for Caleb Williams, and I'm right there with you. But listen, if, if they continue winning, run this train, keep it going for as long as possible. Michael, you're the best. We'll uh, have you back on next week. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.